You are listening to the Transformational Nutrition Podcast, produced by Rebecca Flannery. Rebecca is fast becoming a well-known and respected name in the health and nutrition industry. Her common sense and evidence-based approach to nutrition is helping to strip away some of the confusion that many people develop on the subject of healthy eating, weight loss, eating for energy and vitality, and effective weight management. Rebecca will be producing at least one podcast per month to share her knowledge on subjects revolving around nutrition and healthy eating. This will include specialist podcasts on the subjects that you want to learn about. This particular podcast was designed to give an insight into some of Rebecca's attitudes towards nutrition. And I commenced my interview with her by asking her to tell me about her life and career background. Okay, well, first of all, um, I'm a wife and I'm a mother of two young boys. I live in Lincoln. I've lived in Lincoln most of my life. My background's actually in education. So I started my career as a secondary languages teacher before moving into school improvement. But for as long as I can remember, healthy eating, keeping fit, it's always played a huge part of my life. Friends have often come to me to ask for tips for advice and their diet and their exercise regimes, etc. over the years. So it just seemed logical for me to train to become a nutritionist when I realised that I wanted a career change and my children were getting were reaching school age. If you don't mind me saying that, I'm sat looking at you now and you are classically trim, I would say. That's meant as a compliment. Thank you. Uh, and I'm not flirting. But you do look like someone who is kind of pretty focused on the way you look and probably what you put into your body. Where has that passion for nutrition come from? Well, like I said, food's always been really important in my life. Um, coming from an Italian family, I was brought up to respect mealtimes, to value healthy, nutritious eating. You know, everything that my grandma, Nonna, cooked was homemade. Um, so when I went to university, aged 18, I did struggle quite a lot. Suddenly, I'd gone from eating, you know, well-cooked, nutritious food to quickly falling into the trap of um, eating easy quick convenience foods like most students do yeah exactly and probably consuming too much alcohol as well David no I can't believe that of you (laughs) um so my weight fluctuated and and actually did um get quite high um during my first year you became a fatty did you I did yeah yeah I did David I'm afraid you know that's the woes of university life I think Mm -hmm. but unfortunately this did actually um trigger an eating disorder for me um which I did battle with for a number of years um, I became typically obsessed with what was in the media, what people were saying I should look like, um, you know, the, those pictures of skinny young women. Um, and I fell victim to uh, many of the fad diets out there, um, which further fed my disorder and left me quite poorly, um, both physically and mentally. So without wishing to get, you know, too personal, were you kind of diagnosed as being ill with a food disorder i was yes yes i was but the good news is that you've come through that now by the looks of it yeah i was fortunate enough to realize before it became too late um but it wasn't until i actually left left university that that happened because i think you know the pressures of studying alongside um having those voices in your head um you know made it difficult um to come to terms with Mm. so it wasn't until i left university that i you know realized what was going on and it was a long really very difficult journey and I might even write a book about it one day I'm sure Um, you will (laughs) but it has left me now with a huge passion um, for fueling the body as well as possible to achieve optimal health and vitality and when I talk about optimal health I'm not just talking about nutrition 
you know, I am talking about um, all of the other aspects, the social, the psychological, the physical, those things. Um, but obviously nutrition plays a huge part in that. You're fortunate being Italian, aren't you? Because my research suggests that Italy is right up there with the healthiest countries in the world as far as things like disease rates mortality rates is that fair yes yeah, absolutely fair to say um some of the world's healthiest countries um are classed as, as blue zones um and sardinia is right up there um with those and like i said it's not just because of their nutritious um you know um wholesome diet it's also uh, their approach to life the fact that they get out there, they're outdoors, um, they're more active. Um, I think, in fact, Sardinia um, has got the highest number of centurion males um, in the whole of the world. Um, mm. This whole subject of nutrition, though, is fascinating, isn't it? Because we, we know that here in the UK, we are one of the most obese nation, nations in the modern world, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. We walk down the food aisles, or rather the health food aisles in the likes of Tesco, Sainsbury's, etc., and those aisles are now bursting with products they didn't used to be you know there might be one shelf dedicated to it years ago i think it's become quite confusing for today's consumer to try and make sense of it there's all these I mean, there literally hundreds of diets it's a multi-billion dollar industry absolutely just in europe never alone around the world so how do people make sense of this and, and what are your philosophies as a nutritionist, what are they based on? Like you said, David, we are constantly bombarded with, um, you know, mixed messages uh, these days. And with this constant misinformation on the TV, on the internet, in newspapers, magazines, um, one of my core values is to challenge this um, and to reveal the truth behind nutrition. Many of the dogmas out there that claim to be um, evidence-based aren't in fact evidence-based. Take, for instance, the claims that red meat causes cancer. Well, this is a very absolute statement that simply isn't true. Um, yes, there is some evidence to suggest that processed red meats are linked to cancer or cancer development, but this is most likely also due to many other lifestyle choices that a person um, makes, well, a person who eats um, a lot of processed meat makes. So, like I said, you know, the media takes, um, you know, an element of truth and then portrays it in a very misleading way for the public. You know, nutrition is never black and white, David. You should always be aware, wary of anybody who uh, makes up absolute statements in the area. Because if someone is making an absolute um, statement, it's usually based on their bias, I would say, um, rather than a true. And another thing to consider is that science doesn't prove anything, can disprove many things, but no clinical trial can be 100% accurate simply because of the individuals and, and no one-size-fits-all strategy will ever suit anybody. Science seems to evolve, doesn't it? And that's that's the thing. I mean, the point you make there about processed meat, I have to confess I'm, I eat tiny amounts of meat now since I read a book called The China Study and you and I yes. had, a, as we tend to do in our friendship, um, a bit of a debate, let's say. We just about managed to stay friends through it, don't we? But <laughs> what you're saying, the World, the World Health Organization actually issued a statement saying that processed red meat uh, showed signs of contributing to the to the to cancer, and it was a significant percentage increase that you would suffer if you were a frequent processed red meat eater, and but that's they, where that's come from. Yeah, and and you've got to remember that they were looking at the population as a whole. They weren't looking at the you know the the relative risk to an individual. If you looked at it on an individual basis, um, you know that relative risk would actually be be quite low. Yeah, 
and I get, but I get your point about there are various different products, and we'll come on to supplements fully later. But there are various different products out there, and we all ask ourselves the question: Is there any evidence to suggest that taking these supplements or eating this diet is actually going to contribute towards our health? And then you start reading all sorts of research that looks official, mm-hmm. yeah. but the average person doesn't know what to actually really look for to know whether that research is cl- is a clinical study that's got an outcome that can be traced back to being true. Absolutely. So, what does the what does a layperson look for in in that? If anything, what can they what can they look for in any type of clinical study or survey to know whether it's genuine or not? Well, uh, I think for the lay person taking any individual study can can be can be misleading. I think if it's something that you really do want to look into, I mean, I would try and find credible sources of information, people that read research, you know, for a hobby or for a living, and, and look to them and and see what advice that they're giving um, in a, in a particular area. And if you do really want to go and read research yourself, then look for system. Um, systematic reviews or meta-analysis because what they do is that they take a number of studies in a, in a certain area they review them and you, you can then be sure that you you know what you're reading is actually a more reliable source of information mm. um, because any one study by itself you know is it doesn't tell you a great deal and i guess the short answer rebecca would be if anybody's that passionate and is struggling to make sense of it then they should come to someone like you absolutely so going back then, I talked about your nutritional philosophies. So any prospective clients that are listening to this that are thinking, okay, I want to enjoy more vitality because there's a danger that a nutritionist can be regarded purely as someone that helps a person to lose weight. And it's not always about that, is it? No. Sometimes it's people have got an acceptable weight. They're not you know, off the scale as the NHS scale for, for obesity, which many of us would question. Because if you take me, for example, I mean, I'd be way off where I should be, but I'm a big guy, size 13 shoes, big frame. But it's not all about weight loss. Sometimes it's about getting more vitality, getting more energy. So when you take on a client, let's say it is someone that maybe wants to lose a couple of stone, what typical process would you go through with them? So first of all, um, what, what I do is I ask all clients before I meet them to fill in a, a pre-consultation form to try and gather as much information as I can about that client beforehand so that I've got that before I meet the client face to face. So I've got a, you know, a, a rough idea um, of where they're at and whether, whether they're exercising, the foods that they can eat, the foods that they don't want to eat, the amount of weight that they want to lose. But obviously, I always take that with a little bit of a pinch of salt. And then I try and get to the bottom of those questions through a one-to-one following on from that um, pre-consultation stage. During a one-to-one, I will sometimes repeat some of the questions that are in the pre-consultation questionnaire just to get a deeper um, understanding and to see whether when we're face-to-face, you know, what the person says correlates with what they've actually written on their form. Um, so, for instance, they may say on their form, you know, that they eat killer in a particular way. However, during a one-to-one consultation, if I ask them to give me a 24-hour recount of what they've eaten, it might not necessarily reflect that. So, that one-to-one meeting really does help, um, you know, get to the bottom of what a client's needs are, their lifestyle, um, you know, their personality. And then what I would do is, um, you know, adapt my approach to meet them, looking at the science, looking at the research um, to find out, you know, what would work, but what would also work within their context. And 
again, you know, even after that pre-consultation and that initial consultation, um, you know, I'm not going to fully understand that person. So then um, I would spend a period of getting to know them a little bit better by having, you know, weekly or fortnightly reviews um, so that we can tweak things and we can find, you know, things that will work in, in practical terms rather than, you know, guessing what's going to happen in, in a one-off meeting. Yeah, so that's... Um, you know, how I would start. And then as I get to know somebody a little bit better, as I know, you know, the things that I can ask them to do can, you know, relax a little bit on our, um, on our meetings, our, our sessions. Um, and, you know, I can obviously give them, offer them more advice and guidance um, via email, via phone call. How much would you say is attitude and mindset important in nutrition and weight management? Extremely. Extremely, David. I don't think that there are many people out there that don't know what they should be eating. I think, you know, there are some misunderstandings about um, what the body needs, absolutely. But I don't think anybody realistically could look at a piece of fruit and then look at a, a deep fat fried donut and say that the donut was going to be healthier for them. Sorry, you know, a bit of a rubbish analogy. But I think, you know, what I'm, I'm saying, you know, I think most people do know, you know, how to eat healthily. But it's about implementing that. Um, it was a little bit like myself, you know, when I was in the depths of the eating disorder. I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I needed to eat. But could I do it? No, I couldn't do it until I was psychologically in that place. And until I had that support and that mechanism um, and, and felt that one thing that really did, and this is another reason why I kind of went into evidence-based uh, practice, David, is that one thing that really did help me get through my um, um, issues with eating was understanding the evidence behind the suggestions that were being made to me. So, you know, it was getting past that fear that somebody just wanted me to gain weight quickly and it was just going to keep going up because they just wanted me to, to recover, um, you know, and actually really understanding that, no, you know, your body does need this and this is why and this is how your body's going to react to it and your body is going to plateau at a certain point and you're not going to keep gaining weight. You know, so, so the science and the theory behind it really did help me. Some people don't need to know that science and that theory in any great detail. Again, that is why someone like myself is here. You know, I do that research, I look into that science and then I make it accessible and understandable for the layperson. But let's make it clear what we are saying then is that people's attitude and their willpower and discipline is an important part. It's all well and good knowing what you need to eat, when you need to eat it, what you need to drink, and all those other factors, how much exercise you need to get, because that comes part of it. But ultimately, what we are saying is that people need to find the mindset, the discipline, and the willpower to make it work. Absolutely, and that is a big part of um, of the uh, the service that I provide. Talk about it very early on. We'll talk about mindset. I will talk about um, the inner narrative that we have when it comes to uh, to nutrition, um, you know, as early as the initial consultation, if if appropriate. And then that is, again, why um, I like to have a period of, um, you know, having regular one-to-ones, regular reviews with a person, because I think you know, habits take time to change, you know, they don't happen overnight and it happen, uh, has to happen, uh, uh, you know, a relatively, um, you know, slow process, but that is consistent, uh, you know, again, which is why I take the approach that I take. I think the research suggests that people to break a habit or to create a habit, it takes 90 days. Yes, yes. That's yes. what I hear. Absolutely. I think I had that conversation with one of my clients only yesterday. You need to repeat something 90 times for it to become a habit. Yeah. So moving on to what I would put under the label of fad diets. I mean, if we were to do a Google search now for the various different diets or indeed walk into our local supermarket and look at 
the various different diet options there. There are just literally hundreds out there. What are your views on them? Well, fad diets are nothing new, David. They date back to at least 1825 when um, the physiology of taste was um, was first published. This was a low-carbohydrate eating regime. But the difference in those days was that we didn't have the billion-dollar health industry that we have now um, and the media moguls that are pushing things on us 24-7. By definition, fad diets are those that have not been studied objectively um, and don't have the science behind them. They're largely based on observational evidence um, and are rarely sustainable. From Atkins and paleo um, to detoxes, cabbage soup diets. There's no such thing as a detox, is there? Or is there? What do, what do you mean by there's no such thing well, as a detox? Uh, let's not mention names because I've got some friends that um, kind of champion one particular product that was very much labelled as a detox. But mm-hmm. can you detox your body through... I mean, no. I mean, the thing is, is that your body does a very good job of itself naturally of detoxifying itself. So when it comes to a detox, you basically are restricting your body for a a period of time from essential nutrients. And your body will then end up, obviously, you will lose weight because it will be your body will empty its cells of its water and its glycogen. But then as soon as you start eating again, no, you know, you're back at square one. And you really have just gone through a period of calorie restriction. I was going to say, so I, w- I won't mention the name of it because I, I don't want to be, I don't want me and you to get in trouble for dissing um, a well-known. I don't known, think it's the only one. Though, a well-known <laughs> diet, but there's one that where for a, for a short period of time, I, I won't say the number of days, that you dramatically reduce your calorie intake and you use various different supplements as well. Yeah. And you read a book and you measure yourself and you're encouraged to take more exercise and mm-hmm. hey prestos, this number of days later, people typically are losing an average of 10 pounds some cases 14 pounds yeah but my view is that if you did that without the support of these nutritional supplements and this little book you would get the same outcome of course you would i mean i think the particular diet you're talking about i think for the first couple of days i think you're barely eating anything at all and then slowly you work yourself up to something like 600 calories a day. Now, you know, that's a huge deficit for the average person. Um, so basically, of course, it works because it is creating a calorie deficit. But it, long term, it doesn't work because it's not installing any habits. Um, you know, it's not changing people's eating behaviors. Mm. It is just giving them, an, you know, a dramatic calorie deficit, um, which of course leads to weight loss it's all about energy in and um, it's all about calories in calories out it's the energy balance you've always said to me it's all 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 about heat, eating good wholesome food and understanding the food in in simple terms and 80 percent, david 80 percent. i think 80 percent of your diet should be good wholesome food you know we need a life you know you need to treat yourself you need to um you know be a realistic about things but i think yeah if 80 percent of your diet um, can come from from whole food sources, then you're you know you're you're on your way. So on the subject of fad diets, what I think we're saying is that yes, they work short term, yeah, they're bound to, mm-hmm. but they're not sustainable. Exactly, exactly. So what can you promise to your clients as opposed to them going to the supermarket or buying one of these products from their friend who is in network marketing? What can you offer to clients? What can you promise to them in comparison to that? Well, you know, David, I always practice with honest honesty and integrity. You know, I don't I've got no bias towards one particular diet, so I'm never going to push um a particular pr- approach on a person. 
like I've already said, you know, clients can always be rest assured that any guidance that I give is based on the most up-to-date scientific evidence that I adapt to meet that client. You could say that I bridge the gap between, you know, clinical research and practicalities for a client. So, like I said, I don't push any approach on anybody just because it's proven to work. I'll use my professional expertise in getting to know and understand clients. You know, if there is a particular approach that a client is has used in the past that works for them and they can see that it's sustainable. So, for example, um, you know, if they find that a low-carb approach works for them, then, you know, that's something that I will support a client through. I mean, the, the research does show that low-carbohydrate doesn't necessarily have doesn't have any superiority over any other diet that puts somebody in a calorie deficit, let's say. It's not going to magical powers over any other diet. But if it means that a person can reduce their calorie intake more sustainably, then it's an approach that we can take. Same when it comes to some people really like um, the idea of intermittent fasting, where they go 16 hours without eating every day. So they basically skip their breakfast. Again, there is no magical science behind that. They are just creating a calorie deficit, but it just might mean that they have the freedom to not have to track calories. Sounds to me what you're saying, Rebecca, and which is what I like about your approach is you're saying your message to people is that you will approach and create something that's tailored to your client. Absolutely, I think that's opposed, what I'm trying to as say. As yeah. opposed to applying a generic approach and saying, "Got here, take this box of stuff and use it for 10 days and you lose eight pounds and then you'll put it all back on inside a month. Yeah. You're going to help people understand food, get to their weight target or get to their vitality target and then sustain that. Absolutely, absolutely. Two more questions for you. One is about supplements because, you know, I guess... This kind of hinges on some of the diet products out there, but I'm talking more about nutritional supplements now. Multi-tens of billion dollars around the world. Massive industry. Yeah, massive industry in the retail space, but also online. What supplements actually work? You know, David, I am a big believer um, that we should and can get uh, most of our essential nutrients that, that our body needs through a healthy and a balanced diet. And that should always be somebody's um, primary consideration. I'm not saying I'm against supplements. Absolutely not. Some people do lack nutrients in their body um, because of the dietary choices that they choose to make or that are forced upon them. So supplements should be considered. But I think, you know, the supplement industry is a massive industry that's poorly regulated. And I think anybody that is um, looking for a supplement should do their research and find a brand that is reputable. You know, or again, they can always, um, you know, speak to a, a qualified nutritionist um, who might have a little bit more experience in the area. And another thing to consider is that there aren't, there are, there are supplements out there that David that do work and go into it, but it does depend again on the, on the particular individual, yeah. a, a, a person who has performance related goals, somebody who works out, you know, they're going to possibly need to take supplements that the average person that, that doesn't work out wouldn't need to take. But there are two evidence based, I would say, supplements that I do highly rate and they are omega three fish oils and vitamin D. I do think that vitamin D is something that is very difficult to to get through through your diet. Is why I would recommend that. We should explain that, what shouldn't we? That, that vitamin D is actually the creation of it in our body is triggered by the sunshine on our skin. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. you live in this country, the UK, um, yes, it's beautiful today, but maybe forty weeks of the year it ain't. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you're saying then is vitamin D is 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 a supplement. Well, there is evidence to show that it works. Yes, absolutely. and definitely evidence to show that omega three is critical. Yeah, and yeah. we probably don't get enough of that through our food. No, no, absolutely not. Um, so yeah, that is another one that I would recommend. I'm not against either somebody taking a good all-round multivitamin. I say not against. I'm saying I wouldn't advise against it. But again, with this, I would just make sure that you're buying a quality supplement there because, like I said, the the industry is very poorly regulated and there are cheap brands out there that just are not not really worth the money. They're not giving you the nutrients, um, you know, that your body needs. So if you are thinking of multivitamin, then just make sure you do your research. I know on future podcasts, you probably drill down and make episodes specific to things like this Mm -hmm. so we'll not go into too much more detail now but for those people that listen to this and think you know i've been taking all these supplements the good news is that some of them there is evidence to prove that some of them work absolutely sadly there's a lot of them not a lot of evidence and we have if we're evidence-based we have to be honest with people don't we yes we do we do so the final question before we get on to how people can contact you if they like the sound of what you're offering so final question for you then rebecca before we allow people to understand how they can contact you is people are always looking for the ultimate healthy diet so there are going to be people listening to this that don't necessarily want a nutritionist but they do want to understand what those key principles are what are they well i think the first thing to consider like i said david is that the ultimate healthy diet does depend on the person it depends on your starting point it depends on you know on your on your goal but um there are some key principles i think that people need to know to make sure that they are getting the most from their food first one um and i've already touched on this is that they concentrate on nutrient dense foods um 80% of the time okay so getting 80% of your food from um you know good whole unprocessed foods um you know it is really important mm-hmm. Again, we've touched on this one again. Um, focus on health. Focus on your health and, and try and skip the diet mindset. Okay. Um, I'm not saying, you know, diets do work, David, and, and they have their place. You know, they are for a short period of time. And really what we want to be looking at is making sure that people that can, can instill habits that will lead to... I was going to say diet, diet's a poor word because we associate diet with absolutely that's with a deduction, r- rather a reduction in food. Mm-hmm. Probably a better term for us to use going forward is eating regime or eating patterns or eating habits yeah i think the word diet although the word diet you know does mean you know basically what a person um is consuming on a daily basis it has been vilified i think in the media well yeah when someone says i'm on a diet we all think well that means that person's reducing the calories or eating certain types of food for a defined period of time and what i think you're endorsing is permanent eating I am. habits. I am. I am. Absolutely. Um, which again, you know, even if um, a person that I'm working with does go through a, let's say, diet in inverted commas phase, I will also then look at a period where we can look at how we can make things sustainable um, so that they can maintain their weight rather than um, just you know, staying in this... Uh, so I interrupted you there by... No, it's fine because we've gone a little bit off track. Yes, yeah, sorry. I interrupted so, you there because I think it's important to define diet and, and eating habits. But So you talked about some of the principles. What else would you say? Yeah, I think another principle that people need to understand is, that is, is the importance of protein. And um, this it's a really key element um, of um, anybody's diet. So, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you need to be eating 
copious amounts of protein um, but just make sure that you are eating enough is I think yes another really important fact to, con- to consider is sleep um, sleep really is so important to your to your health and think that whilst a lack of sleep doesn't uh, automatically lead a person to gain weight lack of sleep has been shown to uh, make you know adherence to um, a healthy regime more difficult um, so again sleep again we could do another whole podcast on this we probably will um, in the future yeah um so i'm sorry i'll try and keep it um, a little bit briefer water again hydration make sure that somebody's drinking um make sure that you are drinking plenty of water plenty meaning two liters minimum yes yes always aim for two to three liters aim for consistency over perfection okay so you don't need to get you know your nutrition on target 24 7 but just try and be consistent so if you have two bad days where you go out and get drunk and eat the wrong foods then have three or four days when you do the right things is is that acceptable we all have a bad day don't we yeah even rebecca flannery yeah yeah, of course i mean i'm not you know i'm not endorsing that for every two day uh, you know that you know you need to have one good day counteracted by another good day like i said david it should be about 80 20 um but yes definitely you know don't beat yourself up if you have a bad day you know just get back on it the next day and when i say get back on it you know i'm not talking about you know after you've had a binge one day or had a few drinks i'm not saying the next day you need to you know restrict your calories ridiculously um i'm saying just you know take a healthy approach um, the next day, you know, the 80 20 um, approach. And yeah, try not to restrict. That's another um, really important thing. You know, allow yourself a little bit of what you fancy. If you don't, you will binge. Well, I know, for example, you take chocolate a lot, don't you? I do. I do. I do. <laughs> I eat chocolate quite. Yes, I do. I do. But again, because I allow myself chocolate every day, um, you know, I don't, you know, go four or five days without having it and then end up eating a whole bar of dairy milk. Um, so yeah, I, I do eat chocolate every day. And appetite and being hungry is a big part. So what would you say about that? Again, yeah, yeah. Try and choose. If you're sticking to the eighty twenty rule and you're you're choosing whole food, unprocessed options, um, you know, then you should be on your way to to preventing hunger. Um, a lot of processed foods out there these days, you know, um, just are not going to keep hunger at bay. You know, and, and I think um, a big culprit for this is a lot of the diet products that are on the shelves these days. You know, they're just, they're not nutrient dense at all. You know, they may be very low in calories and you think, you, you know, you're getting some bang for your buck. But realistically, you're going to be starving again in 20 minutes. Um, and you could have chosen an option that would have, you know, satiated you much better. Well, Rebecca, I'm thoroughly enjoying working with you and you know, you're changing my attitude towards food. I was out with my daughter last night having a meal and looking at the menu and and completely looking at it in a different way based on what I've learned from you over the last few months. And I'm sure there are going to be people listening to this that are going to get a lot of value from you and that might be choosing to work with you personally or listening to future editions of your podcast, which I know you plan to do at least one every month. But if people are listening to this and they want to engage with you, they want to use your services, how can they contact you? Well, um, they can find me on Facebook. I've got a Transformational Nutrition Facebook page. If you want to find me there, message me there. You know, I'm quite active on that. I've also got an email address that you can contact me on. That's Rebecca at transformationalnutrition.co.uk. Well, Rebecca Flannery, we look forward to speaking to you and getting more of your valuable insight on future podcasts. Enjoy the sunshine. And you, David. Thank you very much for having me.